Hi, this is Beth Capici and welcome to the Never Perfect Podcast. I'm a psychologist and I believe that embracing the fact that no aspect of life is perfect actually makes us happier and healthier and motivates us to achieve more. It also helps us become more real and compassionate with ourselves and others. In my counseling office, I deal with a little bit of everything. So in this podcast, you'll also probably be hearing a little bit of everything. Not only professional advice, but also some of my favorite and least favorite personal stories. I'm also going to be interviewing people who are brave enough to share their stories with us. I believe that everyone has a lot to teach and a lot to learn no matter what their background is and in spite of their imperfections. You don't have to be perfect to be inspiring. start again <laughs> so here we are i've been rubbed into this again um and uh beth wants to speak about relationships versus um communication and we've not talked in a while so this is a good opportunity for us to have a wee chat yes we use these podcast episodes to reconnect huh. <laughs> okay um no, I'm glad to have my favorite special guest here today, my husband, Remo. Thank you. <laughs> and we are in my office today recording, so you might hear a little background noise here and there, but hopefully it won't be too disruptive. And we are going to bring up a huge, very important topic on communication as it pertains to couples, but any really relationship, obviously communication is an issue. So we are going to bring up and discuss some of my favorite communication skills and tactics and strategies, probably my top five or 10 that I share with clients. And we will use our own personal communication issues to bring these to light. And hopefully we won't start arguing. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to argue. I mean, you're going to be a good boy today. I'll wait until after. You'll argue when we turn it all off. Yeah, I'm mean, just keep it good. Don't want your podcast, you know, being too aggressive. <laughs> so, interestingly, Remo and I are truly from different countries, but one of my favorite metaphors for all couples or all people is that in a way, we are all from different countries in a figurative sense. So I kind of tell couples sometimes you and your husband could have grown up next door to each other and you could have completely different traditions, customs, expectations, strategies, whatever skills. So we really can't assume that we can read others' minds or understand them even if we think we came from similar backgrounds, races, religious beliefs, anything, we all still kind of struggle to understand each other. So a really great starting point in any conversation about differences, help me understand where you're coming from. We cannot read each other's minds. 
And most of us have a tendency to be what we call egocentric, which is viewing the world from our own perspective and our own center and mistakenly assume that others operate the way we do and communicate the way we do. Mm-hmm. So, um, and Remo and I are literally from different countries. So we have some funny, all kinds of funny <laughs> stories about misunderstandings that we've had. Even the fact that in Scotland, instead of calling underwear or undergarments, the same thing we do, they call them pants or yeah. underpants. That's what they are, your pants. <laughs> We've had funny, funny misunderstandings where I've asked him what pants he's wearing to a party and he'll think, why do you care? Why are you asking me what, what underwear I'm wearing to a party? <laughs> they call them, I'll let him say it, trousers. 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 So that's a funny difference. Um, you want to tell them the story from that 40th birthday party where that person came oh, up? I don't know. Um, yeah, I was, uh, was, it, was that a birthday party? I think so. Um, so anyway, I was mingling and um, having some drinks. And this guy realized I was from Scotland. And he came over to me and he was like, hey, you know, talking away. And, and he says, uh, is it true that everybody or the majority of Scottish people are um, how did you put it? Kind brutally of, honest. Yeah. Brutally honest. And I was like, really? I said, who told you that? <laughs> <laughs> I said, I better not answer that question. I said, my wife's right over there. Why didn't you go ask her? And then he come over to you and you were like, oh my goodness. Yes. They're like brutally honest. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, well, we're no, it's not necessarily brutally honest. It's, you know, we're just going to be truthful mm-hmm. um, to maybe to a, a fault. Um, but, you know, I find that that's a problem here is that people aren't honest and they're fake and, you know, they'll smile at your face and, and you, you can kind of tell that, you know, there's, a, there's an issue there, but they're smiling at you, you know, and. Yeah, you don't want people to be two-faced. You want to know where they stand and what they really think. Well, you do. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody does, right? Um, In theory, I mean, some people would rather not rock the boat or have any tension. They'd rather not know if it's going to cause tension. Well, I mean, okay, so if there's an issue and you don't talk about it and you just keep smiling as if there's not an issue, then there's going to be an issue further down the road. Right. Well, yeah, and that actually brings up a huge overarching point about life in general is what is healthy and best for us. And I think that there are people that avoid conflict because it's uncomfortable. I'm certainly one of those. A lot of people that are, you know, huge peacemakers. I think everybody is to an extent. I mean, there are some people out there that will go out of their way to um, get involved in conflict. Yeah, it's not good to enjoy conflict and thrive on it, but it's also not good to hate it or avoid it or be scared of it. It's not healthy. So um, I do like that phrase, what's in your best interest. And I do. You've helped me a lot because I came from a family of conflict avoiders and probably oversensitive people. And being sensitive is obviously great to a point, but anything to an extreme degree can be unhealthy. Um, I know there are people in my life that even get offended if I tell them they have like food on their face. Yeah. 
<laughs> and I assume that they're like me. I would much rather someone tell me you've got something in your tooth or something on your shirt or your zippers undone than not tell me, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so, but yeah, I'll tell I mean, people. That's really not, you know, that's not pointing out fault yeah. in my mind. It's helping them correct something that they can't see. Yeah. Um, but I have offended people before and, and said it in a very nice way. So that's kind of, I'm coming from a bit more of that background of having a fear of offending people um, or being around sensitive people. And then you come from a family, which, well, it's no, it's, we were no comfortable about, you know, um, with conflict it's just um i don't know it's just different you know um when i arrived here again for the second time more as an adult the second time i could really tell that you know people were just so overly nice mm -hmm. overly nice you know and you're like i mean that's nice and and i enjoy that that's it's great but you're didn't like, Is seem this real. real yeah um because people were nice back home but if there's something that needs to be said, you're you're more than likely going to hear it. Right. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't necessarily need to be from your partner. You know, it'll mm -hmm. be from one of your pals. Hey, I hear you, mate. You need to stop doing that. You know. Mm -hmm. So everybody kind of chips in. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I mean, and, and it's interesting because in a way it's probably a different priority. The priority is on being very clear, very direct, very real. And you're not trying to hurt feelings, but you're not trying to avoid hurting feelings. You'd rather be clear, even if it involves hurting feelings. Well, I mean, I think that's healthy, right? Yeah, I do too. Um, yeah. And I think we've got feelings for a reason, you know? I mean, how are you supposed to grow and, and learn? And, and if you've been sheltered all your life and you've never had a, a little feeling hurt, <laughs> that um, how would you be able to learn anything? You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. like, you need to mm -hmm. go through some pain to have growth. Yeah. Well, and I see couples in my office all the time who, you know, most often there are pretty distinctive differences in the way they handle their conflict growing up. One of them might have said, oh, we were a very peaceful family. Um, you know, we avoided conflict. And the other one was just like, you know, get your gloves off. Let's duke yeah. it out. <laughs> and it's, it's not very common that they're both from the same exact type of mold from their family. So there's a lot of translation required and, you know, literally like having a translator with different languages. Yeah. I mean, there's people that I love very dearly um, that have been like that in my life, you know, and come in, take the gloves off and, and bring the bloody wooden spoon with them into the bargain, you know, and just give it a good old stir up and then sit back and, and watch, you know, and see what happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some people probably really think it's interesting and entertainment, <laughs> it is. like a sport. Yeah, there's people like that, right? Yeah. 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 And again, I don't know where the line between what's healthy and what isn't exactly is, yeah. but I do have, so one of my favorite, favorite skills or concepts to share with people about communication is an assertiveness scale. And normally I put things on a one to 10 scale with those being two different complete opposite ends of a spectrum. But with the assertiveness, I have the goal as a five in the middle. So I say that 10 is being aggressive, which is 
not physical, but more verbal aggression, such as being really harsh, really mean, cruel, yelling, screaming, cussing. That's probably wow, that sounds a lot like me. <laughs> yeah, we'll let you rate yourself in a minute. Give you some truth serum before you do it. Not, okay. not that you need that. I'm close to a 10. I'll tell you now. I mean, well, I'm, you know, if we're comparing ourselves to what's around me. Yeah, I'm close to a 10. And we are in the South. We're not in yeah, the regions no, of was, America where people are a little bit more honest nice. and direct. I'm probably the most, uh, you know, aggressive person I know. <laughs> well, not all the time. But no, when I'm you not, get worked all the time. up, I mean, I'm not aggressive. It's just passionate. Yeah, it, it comes across that way, you know, because I'm I don't know. Mm -hmm. You're very direct. I'm, you know, I'm like to. Yeah. You know, are you looking at me when I'm talking to you, you know? Yeah. You don't sugarcoat things. That's a good way to put it. Anyway, so it's not about me, but um, I'm close to that, I would say. Right. OK. And where we live. Yeah. Compared to where put we live. For sure. Put me in Scotland. Yeah. I think it'd be about seven. Yeah. I mean, six, seven. So a little above average in Scotland, but yeah, way above average here. <laughs> um, so one is being passive and like a doormat or internalizing things, holding them in, not telling people what you really think, letting everything go. Um, I call that underreacting and a 10 would be kind of overreacting mm -hmm. in an unconstructive way. And I think holding things in is unconstructive as well destructive so uh, if that's a 10 uh, i need to drop down a wee bit because i mean i'm <laughs> <laughs> it's not destructive but five the goal being assertiveness and i what i the way i like to describe it is speaking the truth in love being direct being honest being clear like clarity is the goal it's kind of like a constant right you're just kind of constant and you're in this you're not overly yeah. aggressive you're not overly nice you're just you're kind of coasting yeah you deliver your message in a clear way and you can't fully take responsibility for whether it hurts someone's feelings or not because you know if sometimes the truth hurts and if you're not trying to hurt them you're trying to be clear then you don't need to feel responsible if it is hurtful yeah i mean well you know i mean we're all big boys and girls right we should be able to um Survive withstand, that. Withstand it. Yeah, and withstand. Grow from that's it, good. You know, and just kind of look at maybe take a wee glance at ourselves, mm -hmm. maybe, you know, and say, well, mm -hmm. oh, maybe she's right. You know, maybe he's right. Right. Well, and one big motivation for all of this is people cannot read your mind. And so if you want them to understand you, you're going to have to express yourself in a clear, direct way. So one article that I love um, on assertiveness says there's three aspects to assertiveness. One is asking for what you need. Another one is expressing your feelings. And the third one is saying no to something you don't want. Okay. So kind of like three aspects of assertiveness. So I ask a lot of clients to rate themselves on a one to 10 scale. And I say that somewhere around five is the goal. But just recognizing kind of where you are versus, you know, any loved one that you're dealing with and just helping them understand this is what I'm used to. Um, what about, I mean, what about just general communication? I mean, just in general. I mean, I think there's an issue with communication in general with people, you know, I mean, yeah, it's I mean, sometimes I talk to you and I'm trying to talk to you about something and, you know, we're in this 
digital just, just digital te- life, yeah. you know, and you're texting and you're answering me, but you're really not listening to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think people focus on each other mm-hmm. when they're talking to each other anymore as much as they used to. Yeah. Um, you know, like stop what you're doing, look at the person, you know, listen to what they're saying mm-hmm. and respond. And, you know, I don't know. It's just, yeah. Um, everything's, we're, we're just, everything's so fast and so busy. That's true. Stop. Yeah. You know, I guess really I had geared this conversation towards conflict and conflict resolution, but I really could be approaching this more directly on just communication in general, because you're right. A lot of people not only struggle with the conflict resolution piece, but they also really struggle just to talk or spend quality time or listening well, active listening. Yeah. I mean, I mean, people don't talk anymore. Mm-hmm. The text. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't yeah. remember the last time I got a phone call. Yeah. You know, my family's, you know, in Scotland and used to call a lot. And now it's just texting. And I'm like, you know, I wouldn't respond because I didn't text. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, nobody's really called me. So I know I've not talked to you in, in ages, but yeah, my phone's in a ring. Well, maybe staying connected would be a good way to talk about this is just communication how to stay connected one of my favorite illustrations for couples is that if they are like two ships and you know we have that old saying oh we're two ships passing in the night and a lot of couples talk about feeling like roommates or like they lead separate lives and it is really difficult to stay connected yeah i mean you and i know this yeah when you've got you know whether you have kids or not i mean jobs you have so many things on your radar yes and sometimes you prioritize the the thing that's vying for your attention the most but you take for granted some of the things that are most important you know yeah for sure we take each other for granted yeah probably most couples do yeah you don't make it a priority i know i'm i'm bad about that i just think oh remo's here he's always going to be here the kids are only going to be here for you know five six seven more years um, but Remo will be here, you know, huh. and you just have this tendency to put, you know, the squeaky wheels or the the demands in your life first and you don't <clears throat> sort of make time. But anyway, going back to the ship analogy, if two ships starting at the same place got off and they were going to the same place, got off course by one degree. And you're probably way better estimating this than I would be. Mm-hmm. But how much further apart would they be after a week, a month, oh, yeah. a I mean, year? Oh yeah, diff- completely different de- destinations. Yeah, I um, mean, and that and one degree doesn't sound that bad, you know. A lot of couples yeah, say, "Oh, we're a couple degrees apart," you know, <laughs> but it doesn't take long to just get further and further. So staying connected, resolving conflicts, because we all are going to have so many differences and conflicts. Think about how difficult it is to travel with someone yeah, <clears throat> or to be roommates. I kind of joke a lot that if someone went around telling people, you all have a month to find a roommate that you want to spend the next 20 years with or the next five, let's say any, really any five years, yeah. two years, people would put so much effort into figuring out who do I want to live who, with who can, for two weeks? Who, who could I handle? Who would you want to travel with for two weeks? There would be a lot of work put into that as well. Mm-hmm. 
it's it's hard to travel with people. And, you know, that joke that, you know, all visitors are like fish. They start to stink after a couple of days. I mean, it's hard. Like, and we are all hard to live with. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody has, you know, has everything has its challenges, you know. It's, uh, mm-hmm. And you find that, you know, more and more people that you talk to after the kids leave, mm-hmm. you know, that. We don't have anything in common anymore, you know, and they've grown apart and, mm-hmm. uh, because they've really not communicated and, and put their marriage kind of first mm-hmm. for the kids, you know. Right. Yeah. Well, and with that in mind of, you know, we're all difficult to live with. I think that that's a really nice, humble way to approach our relationship issues is how am I hard to live with? And it's it's not that individually necessarily we're just difficult. I mean, in some cases, I'm sure that's true, but it's the differences between us that are difficult to navigate. So how is the way that you operate the way I operate different? You know, Mm -hmm. your expectations, you've got a homebody with a a total social butterfly or someone that can't sit still with a homebody, Mm -hmm. you know, you've got people that want a vacation where they just relax and do nothing and others who want to like conquer five states and five mountains. I mean, you know, the differences between us cause a lot of stress. So we have to be able to navigate those conflicts. Yeah. And there has to be compromise. Right. Yes. And just discussion about, Hey, it's not that you're right and I'm wrong or I'm right and you're wrong. Well, whichever way that goes, Mm -hmm. but it's not really about who's wrong. It's the fact that we're different and our differences are difficult and we have to figure out a way to, like you said, compromise or just kind of say, you know, we'll do some stuff together and some stuff apart and, you know, just kind of figure out how to deal with all this. But so, um, a couple of, techniques for dealing with confrontation and differences. One is called the sandwich technique, which a lot of my clients have already heard of probably half of them know of it when I mention it. And it's basically when you have sort of a difficult message or conflict to talk about, start with a positive and then do your confrontation and then ideally end with a positive. So it just kind of softens the blow. Um, (laughs) sometimes I call that a disclaimer as well. Like it's not necessarily a positive, but it would be sort of like, I know this probably isn't what you meant, but how I felt when you said that was this, you know, so it's not necessarily a compliment, but, um, or maybe just acknowledging your own fault before you launch into this is how I feel. And of course I feel statements may sound very cheesy, but If you phrase a comment from your own perspective instead of a, you did this, that feels more like an attack. Like you were rude earlier. Sounds Mm -hmm. very different than I felt like you were being rude earlier. Puts people less on the defensive. So that's one of those classic, they call them I statements. Um, Another really important. It's kind of passive. Passive. You'd rather just be more direct and say, you did this. This is what you're doing. Right. But I know I do this a little bit, you know, whatever else. But, you know, I I see what you're saying. Everything's kind of sugarcoated, right? Yeah. And I know what you mean, but it's not like you put the gloves on and you give somebody, okay, you get to wear the headgear today and you get to wear the gloves today. Mm -hmm. And um, you hit the bell. (laughs) Spoken like a true boxer. (laughs) Remo truly was a boxer. So I don't really get all those boxing analogies as well as. 
maybe others like that, would. That. Oh no, I don't. I don't think it's a great. You get a lot of frustration out, you know, and, and then you get to swap over though, you know. You have to. <laughs> everybody gets to wear the gloves. Right. Right. No, I think it's a great analogy. I just don't have a lot of familiarity with <clears throat> boxing apart from watching Rocky. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to take you from what you were saying. Though. Oh no, no. Um. So another interesting thing kind of related to underreacting and then overreacting, which I don't want to get in too much to today, but um, passive aggressive behavior is also on that spectrum. And there's no really great way for me to put it on my one to 10 continuum, but basically it's just kind of letting about 10 things go or 20 things go and underreacting and not being assertive talking about it. And then maybe the 10th time you decide to indirectly punish someone or get even with them or you overreact. And I think I'm a bit like this because I am kind of a conflict avoider. I will just kind of eventually do something to kind of. I think everybody's got a bit of that, you know? Yeah. It's it's like you choose your battles, right? And you're like, okay, it's no, I need to fight this battle after it's happened so many times. You're like, okay, no, I need to confront it. Yes. Yeah. Generally, you know, hopefully it hasn't become a habit by that point, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. I mean, some everyone probably does this from time to time, but some people it's like their modus operandi. Is that the right way to say it? Just the, their constant mode that they choose. Um, so probably for anyone that you're either in a relationship with or you live with, it might not be a bad idea to just ask, like, how do you handle conflict? Like, what did your family do growing up? I kind of think of going to a massage therapist kind of that question of how much pressure do you like? Do you want a relaxation massage or do you want deep tissue? Um, (laughs) You know, I think therapists should do this more often. I don't do this enough either. It's like how much brutal honesty or confrontation do you want? You know, do you Mm -hmm. want someone to be kind of really direct? And I've had people ask me to be more confrontational before because that's Mm. not my strong point. And did did we leave happy? (laughs) I told him I'd try, but I can't change my personality completely. But, Mm -hmm. um, but you know, we all have different strengths and weaknesses. And a lot of what we talk about in these episodes are nobody's perfect. We all have strong points and weak points. We all kind of have a package deal and there's value in different personalities and different approaches. And, you know, we don't have to be right or wrong. You know, it's not a battle of my way's right, your way's wrong. It's our differences are the problem. Okay. Yeah, I understand that. All right. So where were we? Had a short disruption there. Um, So I know another big background piece that is important to mention is some people go into their adulthood viewing anger as a bad thing. And they maybe had someone with really toxic anger or angry outbursts that became, you know, emotionally abusive or verbally abusive or even physically abusive. And they vow to themselves internally, I will never be angry. Anger is bad. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really important distinction is anger is not bad. Anger is an emotion. It's a natural emotion. Sometimes it's a very righteous thing and mm-hmm. very, very it's healthy, healthy. Yeah. It's just a feeling. 
So the feeling itself is not bad. And I grew up from a Christian background and I actually love some of the things that were taught. You know, there were verses that I was taught, be slow to anger or in your anger, do not sin. It doesn't say don't get angry. It just says be slow to anger. So I think using your emotion to express yourself in a clear way, that's actually very, can be very restorative and very redemptive for people to be told, you know, relationships have been likened to a mirror and those that we're closest to could hold up a mirror to us and say, this is how I feel. You know, a lot of us, we all, well, I shouldn't say a lot of us, we all have blind spots. Some people don't realize how demeaning they can be or dismissive or critical, controlling. And if someone in a kind way would just be very clear and say, I feel like you're demeaning or you're belittling or you're critical. I feel like I can't do anything right. Then that sometimes the scales fall off our eyes and we say, wow, I didn't realize how often I interrupted or how often I talked down to you. Mm-hmm. So it's actually a very loving thing to humbly point out others effects on you and also be willing to do the same yourself. You can't sit there and confront others and not allow them to right. do the same. Yes. Yeah, it's a two way road, right? I mean, it's, um, mm-hmm. and Dr. John Gottman, who is probably the premier leading expert on relationships, he's been doing research on couples for, I would say almost 40 years. I need to look when he started, but Um, I would say 40 years or so, he has some amazing techniques and findings. And one of his findings is that the most lasting marriages have a five to one ratio of positive to negative interactions. Mm -hmm. And what's kind of surprising about that is if couples never argue, they're more likely to get divorced. Mm -hmm. And if couples argue too much, they're more likely to get divorced. So... And yeah. and you you're looking like that doesn't surprise you. Yeah, I'm just, you know. You can see that. Yeah, it makes sense, but a lot of people I have had people come in here to me clients and they'll say, "We never fight. We have never fought." And a lot of them are at the brink of a divorce and probably at least one of them if not both are conflict avoiders. They're on the the passive side where they somehow think that arguing is not healthy right. or Conflict is not healthy, but Dr. Gottman has said that actual conflict resolution can make your marriage more intimate and more vibrant because you can understand each other better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, it's like the child that's been kept in the house and let out because they don't want her to get sick, you know, and no and immune system. Go, yeah, don't let her play in the dirt and don't eat this. And no, oh, the germs are terrible. And the minute she goes outside, she gets sick and, you know, that's true. Dies. Yeah. Well, and I think that some of the arguments or conflicts you and I have had that when we've handled them well, sometimes we don't handle them well and they just escalate and we don't really get any closure or resolution. But some of the ones that have gone better I think we walk away going, oh, I understand now why he views it that way. Or hopefully you felt that way. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize she thought of it that way. And maybe we both have blind spots that the other one has kind of opened our eyes to. Yeah. So you can see how 
resolving conflicts can actually make you feel more close and have sure. better intimacy. Yeah. So yeah, just it's healthy to be clear. We are truly like all different people from different countries and we need to help each other understand where we're coming from and not, you know, sort of be, I don't know, stubborn or prideful about it. Um, I mean, you also have this other dynamic. I mean, there's a loads of other dynamics that are, that are, that are at play as well. You know I mean? It's, you know, you have a cultural thing here. That's between me and you is, um, you know, I mean, I knew what I was getting involved in, I thought, mm-hmm. when we got <laughs> married. And I'm sure you thought you knew what you were getting involved in. Mm-hmm. And, um, and as time goes on, after you get married, you realize there's more to this. Right? Mm-hmm. And um, there's there's going to need to be some work or not. Yeah. And um, so it's, it's a, a lot decision. of work. Mm-hmm. It is a decision. That's good. Really good point. I've also heard someone, I don't remember who saying that we tend to think that staying connected is just going to happen easily. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you fall in love, that saying falling in love is a passive feeling like you just can't help yourself. And a lot of people mistakenly assume that, it's going to be the same staying connected or staying in love or staying, you know, happy in, in a love. marriage in love is going to just happen without work, but it takes so much work. And again, I think that one of the many reasons that we're all hard to live with, with is we have our own agenda and we tend to sort of be egocentric. And often I think more way more often than not, we think our way is better than our partners. Yeah. Well, I mean, does it does it really need to be so much work? <laughs> <laughs> Marriages. I mean, the community. I mean, you, you guys, we can talk, right? Mm-hmm. We can communicate, we mm-hmm. can do everything, and we can shut the kids off, or shut them up, or whatever you want mm-hmm. to do, um, so that you can have, you know, but like we don't do date nights, you know, and we used to do date nights. Yeah. We should do that more, where you can actually mm-hmm. do it and and spend some time together. Yeah. Well, that brings up an interesting point, too. If individuals aren't super happy at the stage in their life where they are, like let's just say you and I, for example, if I'm in a really stressful stage in life, very overwhelmed, don't have time to do any of my hobbies or exercise or anything, I'm probably not going to be in the greatest place. And I like to use the, you know, the phrase of what, what percentage, how healthy or grounded are you on a zero to a hundred? Okay. So, I mean, that's like most of us, right? What? Like well, you aren't... just explained, right? I mean, it's, we are overwhelmed. Yeah. We are stressed. Yeah. I mean, life is put it on us. I mean, people are sitting glued to that stupid box mm-hmm. and getting stressed out to mm-hmm. the hilt. And, um, no able to get it, you know, no, no able to do their hobbies, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, um, so I yeah, that explains a lot of people. Well, yeah. So think about it this way then. If very few people feel extremely grounded and healthy and balanced and say they would rate their own personal balance as, Oh, I'm probably 50, 60% balanced or in a great place right now, or 80 at the most, and say you're the same, how great can your marriage be if you're both at 50% individually? Right. So um, one book that I read said that the authors were saying, we know no couple, we know absolutely zero couples that have young children that are happily married. 
And I read that and I was shocked. Like if it had said 80 or 90% of couples with young children are not happily married, I wouldn't have been surprised, but they said none. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I think that kind of speaks to what we're talking about. It's so exhausting when you have young children and, you know, there's in, in my podcast on motherhood. Well, one of the ones that hasn't come out yet, we were talking about this book called, I was a really good mother before I had kids. I was really good mom before I had kids. Mm -hmm. And the book was written kind of because they saw so many women who, when they were asking them about motherhood, they, the mothers were kind of embarrassed to admit, like, I'm not enjoying this as much as I thought, or I'm a lot more stressed, or I'm not as good of a mother as I thought I was Mm -hmm. going to be. And I think for fathers, that's true as well. Well, it's a partnership, right? Yes. And some, you know, a lot of couples, or married couples aren't partners with their kids. Mm-hmm. You know, one does one feels that do more than the other, and it's like, hold on a minute, now I'm gonna go play golf, man. You know, I've never had a chance to hang out with the lads. You know, mm-hmm. boys and night you're out. Like, hold on a minute, I've been doing this, 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 and this, and I've not been able to do it either. Mm-hmm. So no, yeah, yeah I want to go do what I want to do. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> you're feeling fried. Your self care's out is, the window. Right? It's, so your marriage is going to feel fried. If you feel fried, right? And most likely your partner's going to feel fried. So it's baby steps. I mean, it's yeah. to kind of get back to yes. some sort of neutral um a neutral place where yeah. you can actually probably be communication doing right being progressive or yeah, positive. Well, so this is a little <laughs> comedy here, but I think if you ask people who've been married for quite a while, whether it's been a year, two, three, four, five, most couples at some point consider a divorce sure, or separation, whether they talk about it or not. A lot of them do. Sometimes people use it as a dirty threat during an argument. But the funny thing from a book that I read was saying something like, Almost all couples have thought about murdering their spouse at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I read that and I was like, wow. I know. I was well, like, darling, I have not thought about murdering Me neither. I have not either. Um, so hopefully this goes from better. <laughs> yeah. So if you've never thought about murdering your spouse, then maybe uh-huh. you're above average. I mean, like we said, we always say that, you know, that we thought the first 10 years were the hardest. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's all. We should share time. that story. Yeah. So we were out eating at a a really good Italian restaurant here in town. And we ran into this couple that I had gone to college with the the man and they were, um, they're both attorneys and they were leaving the restaurant and they said, Hey, what are you guys doing? You have a date night. We were like, yeah, we have a date night. What about you? And they said, Oh, we're celebrating our anniversary. And we said, well, happy anniversary. How long have y'all been married? And they said, I think 13 years or something. Yeah, it was uh, 13 years. And I said, well, we think the first 10 years of marriage are the hardest. And they said, oh, yeah. How long have y'all been married? (laughs) And we said eight years. (laughs) And they just kind of like chuckled and walked off and see them scratching their heads like, what did that mean? I guarantee Go you. Go away. They talked about that the whole way back to the car. Like, wait, what did what did that mean? Crazy. And we've did joked they not about want to speak it. To us. <laughs> <laughs> now we're about to celebrate our seventeenth anniversary, wow. and hopefully we won't forget. We both yeah. have forgotten many times. Um, we give each other nudges. Yeah, we usually remember within a week of the date, but um, but yeah. So that must have been 
nine years ago that we played that yeah. joke that we still um, like to laugh about. <clears throat> um, so yeah, well, I think that this covers a lot. Oh, I will say one more thing that is a I mean, fun... there's hope, right? I mean, there's hope. There is hope. And, uh, you know, people just need to bloody talk and, you know, go and have some drinks and and thrash it some stuff, you know, and, mm-hmm. and say, look, you know, allowed to hit me here. I'm going to tell you <laughs> something. And uh, you're allowed to tell me something as well. Okay. And then we'll get another drink. Yes. And I'm going to tell you not something else. Yes. <laughs> You know, and if you did want to sit down with your partner and or anyone, honestly, I mean, it can be a mother, a son, a father, any any relationship that's yeah, a close relationship. These really do apply to any relationship. But you should ask your friends too. like, by the way, my wife said that I was like, do you think I'm like that? And yeah. Like, by the way, you're exactly like that. Yeah. And you might have to give them permission to be brutally honest, though, because well, some people would get. I mean, if you're going to invite that kind of feedback, hopefully you have the backbone to take it. But some people really can get very easily hurt and offended. And so I think you have to be honest, like be truly honest. I want to know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you get married, you have kids and all that. You should be able to take a couple of digs. Yeah. Well, it's it's good. Sometimes like honest feedback. Um, When you think about what is truly good for people and being honest, I use all these like shows on TV, like the voice or America's got talent, like to lead someone on into thinking that they're an amazing singer when they're tone deaf or (laughs) they're not, it's not good for them, you know? But, um, one of a very simple exercise that I give to clients all the time is called the daily dialogue. I just had this handout from years ago and I, I'm trying to Google it and find it online to see exactly where it came from, but it's so simple. And a lot of my clients call it the daily check-in, but it's basically just recommended that for five minutes every night, you sit down with your partner and you just say, what was the most satisfying or best part of our day together or you an interaction? Mm-hmm. And what was the least satisfying? And some of the couples I most like to use this with are those that have a conflict avoider in them and really probably someone that's a bit aggressive. It's really useful for too, but it sort of helps break the ice and you don't have to feel like you're sitting down and having this huge conversation. Like we need to talk, let's sit down, get this thing out. It's like, this is just a daily exercise, almost like stretching, you know, Mm. that we need to just kind of say, Hey, let's, remember to share a positive and a negative and get things out on the table and not hold them in. Cause yeah. <clears throat> a lot of those good things go undone as well. Like you said before, just communication, there's probably not enough affirmation or gratefulness or acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. Like I really appreciated you doing that today. Yeah. So I know I'm not a lot like that. And, um, I know your family are like way beyond it. And I'm just like, Oh my goodness. Yeah. Remo likes to think of affirmation as like doing somersaults. Well, there's some <laughs> affirmations that are like somersaults. Yeah. Like, you know, wow. My dad backwards. is like the My biggest goodness. encourager in the world. I he mean, is, he's got to be a 10 out of 10. Yeah. And that's not the norm. I mean, that's very unusual and and not there are very few people that are that encouraging. So that's kind of a hard bar to follow. Um, yeah, he's. But, you know, I guess thinking positive about your partner, you know, and, and thinking differently, you know. Yeah. Because people walk about with negative thoughts and, you know, and I've done it myself. And yeah. And everybody's done it. 
and um, you get yourself all worked up and you get all pissed off and mm-hmm. and um, you can't even think past the negative. Yeah. You know? And um, you just yeah. need, you need to stop and and and, mm-hmm. and put something positive in your head and think mm-hmm. you know good thoughts, and nice things. <laughs> yeah, and and that's where I think we all should really be humble and just say. You know, there's really value in other perspectives, and I've probably been prioritizing my kind of set of patterns and traditions over other ones. But if you look at, you know, anyone that you love that you're in a relationship with and look at, you know, there's value and there's a lot of legitimate valid points in what they're saying. And so I might say, oh, being nice and kind and polite is better than being honest and giving people some tough feedback. Yeah. But you are saying, I don't want someone to be fake or to hold it in. I want to know what they're thinking. And that has a lot of validity to it. Yeah. By the way, I mean, really, if if we can get right down to the, what is the problem? I mean, what is the problem? I mean, we are the problem. Each of us. The freaking ego is the problem. (laughs) It is. Yeah. The freaking ego is a bastard. Do you know what I mean? It's like... (laughs) You know, if you want to lose your ego, start trading. Yeah. And you'll become such a nice person, a nicer person. I think I became a nicer person. Trading like investing? Uh Investing. Yeah. Because people hold money very, very dearly. You know, Mm -hmm. that's pretty sad. Mm Mm-hmm. But um, go lose some money in the Mm -hmm. stock market. Yeah. Or trading. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll see see where that leaves you. Humbling. Very humbling. Um. There's no time for the ego mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, just drop it, man. And, and yeah, life's too short for that, that rubbish, man. Well, maybe you and I can do a discussion, have a conversation on either the languages of love. What? Or <laughs> do you even know what that is? I know. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know that you, you talked about it and I'm like, I've got a couple languages of love. <laughs> well, you're about right then, because they say you have a, two of the five are usually your favorite, your okay. favorites. But um, most men probably have two. A <laughs> top women two. Women have like five. Oh, I see. Men only need two things, and women need all five. We live in our little boxes, you know. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. And the women, they live in a big ball of wire. Yeah, we could talk about that too. Um, but that was that one. Was very interesting. Yeah, Remo and I went to listen to this funny speaker on marriage stuff about 10, 12 years ago called laugh your way to a better marriage. Uh And it was definitely funny. And he talks a lot about the differences between men and women. Yeah, it was, it was good. It's really good. Really. One of the things he makes fun of in there is how idealistic men and women are, Mm -hmm. um, how we all just think, Oh, you know, the grass is greener. There's going to be someone out there that meets all my needs. Yeah, talking about communication, you know, you mean the wife's talking to you, you know, and still talking to me, mom, and she's folding clothes in like three bedrooms over. (laughs) He thought he had hearing problems because his wife was always talking (laughs) in another room. But um, but yeah, there are definitely some really important follow ups, um, conversations about relationships. And I had two on the tip of my tongue and now I can only remember the one about languages of love. But I guess, um, you know. One is just really trying to talk to other people at times and find out you're not alone. Like if you're quiet about your marriage struggles, you're more likely to think I should get divorced. Hmm. 
Um, but if you start talking to other people and you find join the club, my husband does that too. Join the club. My wife does that too. Um, mm -hmm. you know, you start to realize, alone. yeah, like there's, there's no, you know, perfect marriage out there. And some are obviously really, really toxic and terrible, but most people are somewhere in that middle range where it's rough, it's hard, but it's got it's amazing moments and it's normal and you can get through it. And so, um, I, mean, I don't think life was meant to be just this easy coast. Yeah. You know, no, just the coast through it and just fluffy clouds. and Right. Life know. is never, I like that. It's not an easy coast at all. At all. I mean, it just, <laughs> sorry. You're, you're saying that like, I'm sitting right here, darling. <laughs> I didn't say okay. you. I, I said know, life, life in I general. Know, part of the life, I think. <laughs> no one ever said it was going to be easy. Yeah, right. Um, all right. Well, we'll, we'll revisit some of these topics and, um, I guess one kind of, I think cool way to end this is going back to the different customs and traditions of different countries. I love that. I think it's fascinating. Like if I ever get to go to Asia, I'm going to be like, what do you do here? Like, how close do you stand to people when you talk to them? Do you shake their hand? You should look into it a little bit before you go there. Though. Well, you I will. And of course, right into that. I've already had some of my counseling uh -huh. diverse populations classes and multicultural right. diverse classes. But well, you did then. Um, but it's amazing to just hear, like, what are the customs about emotion and taking your shoes off and how close do you stand to people? And, you know, how do yeah. you talk to someone of the opposite gender? All those. And I think that hopefully when we all learn about different traditions and cultures, you realize there's so much truth and value in all of them. They may be different. Some yeah. really value public displays of emotions, whereas others really value stoicism. Mm -hmm. And you can see, you know, there's different value in all the different approaches. And I think and that's how people are. Cry. Yeah. You know, an extrovert shouldn't tell an introvert, oh, it's terrible that you don't need people more. Like, what's wrong with you? The introvert could just as equally say, what's wrong with you that you need other people to right. recharge your battery? Like, you know, there's value in both and there's perspective and wisdom in different cultures and different people. And I think that humility of, I'm not going to assume my way is better than yours. I just want to learn and understand what you need, what you prefer, what floats your boat, what fills your battery, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, that's good. We have a lot to learn from each other. Yeah. I mean, that's the most important thing, right? I mean, are we able to learn from each other? Yeah. And I think that's what relationships are for. Really? <laughs> you look concerned. Well, anything else you're itching to say before? No, we it's been up? nice having a wee chinwag with you. And, um, you know, we call that a wee chat. Welcome, Fee. I love chinwag. That's one of my favorite phrases. You'll have some cute ones over there. <laughs> I do use that one. And maybe we'll end on another favorite Scottish one. Oh, really? Cheery bye. Oh, cheery bye. My granddad used to say that. <laughs> Cheerio. Hey, cheerio.